Uh, pastor Boyd is the lead pastor of our uh, Manuriba campus, but is also the national leader of our Elam movement. And so we're so honoured to have him here. Church, can we welcome our Pastor Boyd as he preaches this morning? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. Fantastic. Thank you, worship team. May you be blessed. You wear glasses, you wear glasses, you wear glasses, you wear glasses, you don't wear glasses, you don't want it, you don't wear, you all need to wear glasses next Sunday. And God bless you. Give them a hand. What a great bunch. Fantastic. Awesome to be here. Thank you for having us. Love Pastor Steve and Big Screen. Uh, not only they are great friends of us, but they are actually our next door neighbours. Uh, we're number two. They're number four. Uh, I'm not going to tell you our street uh, address because we don't want stalkers. But anyway, uh, so amazing friends. Um, actually, I'll never forget, um, last Christmas, we just saw a Christmas production promo. Um, it was 10 o'clock at night. Uh, Sharon was out doing Christmas production rehearsals with Bex. I was all by myself at home. And I thought, oh, you know what? I feel like pizza. So I ordered pizza at 10 o'clock at night and the pizza was delivered uh, to my house. I was in my pyjamas. So I ran out and, went and got my p- uh, pizza box at 10 o'clock uh, at night. And I heard this voice from the other side of, uh, of the fence. Oh, hi, Boyd. Uh, I'm not judging. And I turned around and there was uh, Steve Green on the other side of the fence. So I said to Steve, uh, what happens at Troop Road stays at Troop Road. And uh, I think he was expecting me to share a box of pizza, but it wasn't healthy. So it's not, it wasn't gluten-free. But anyway, so awesome to be here. Uh, thank you for having us. As you saw, Christmas production is going to be amazing. Make sure you come along, bring your friends and family. It's going to be uh, incredible. If you want to take your notes out, I'm going to get straight into uh, our message this morning. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I hated having to wait till Christmas Day to open uh, our Christmas presents. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I hated the whole waiting thing. Uh, I found it agonising. Uh, a few days before Christmas, my mum and dad would go shopping and they'll bring all these Christmas presents. They'll wrap them up and they'll put it under the tree. Me and my brother, my twin, we'll get all excited thinking that we got to open them the next morning. But mum and dad would say to us, no, Christmas is three or four days away and you have to wait till Christmas Day. Let me tell you, three or four days for Christmas, they were like the longest days of my entire life. Uh, you know, me and my brother, we would uh, at times in the mornings, we'd find ourselves under the tree and our Christmas present had several holes. Uh, because we just couldn't wait till Christmas Day. We just wanted to find out uh, what we were getting for Christmas. How many of you here this morning, uh, when your parents were not around, you actually opened your Christmas present uh, and then just to find out what you were getting for Christmas, then you rewrapped it and put it under the tree and then you pretended like you didn't know what you were getting on Christmas Day. Raise your hand up. All right, all the honest people went to the 10 o'clock service, but never mind. You know, I remember one particular time my uh, parents were not watching, uh, they were busy. So I actually, I knew kind of, I knew what we were getting for Christmas. So I took the Christmas present up from under the tree. I opened it and I, it was the toy I'd been waiting for all year. I actually played with the toy, but when I was playing with the toy, I accidentally broke it and I was too scared to tell my parents. So I rewrapped it and I put it under the tree. On Christmas Day, I made sure I didn't go for the present that was broken. So I said to mum and dad, I'll help you guys. I took the present that was broken and I handed it to my brother and, and he didn't know. So he opened the present. It was a broken toy. He was crying and he was devastated. I said to him, you must have been a naughty boy this year. Serves you right. 
Look what happens, brother. Anyway, you know, and, and when my parents gave me my toy, I was like, wow, look, my toy's not broken. I must be a good kid. You know, I sat there very patiently, very innocent looking, uh, you know, pretending like I knew nothing. I just hated the whole waiting game. Now we have a six-year-old son. Uh, he hates the whole waiting thing. Every day when we drive into school, he's like, Dad, when is Christmas? How long is it till Christmas? I'm like, I told you yesterday, 25th of December. And how many days? Well, you minus a day, son. This is why you send me, we send you to a Christian school. You should know your days. Hello. But anyway, uh, I'm finding it very therapeutic this morning. But you know, he hates the whole waiting thing. Did you know in the Bible, there was a group of Jewish people for many, many generations who waited every single day for the arrival of the promised Messiah. In every single generation, there was, a, there was a group of people who lived their lives every single day in obedience to God, waiting for this day to arrive. They waited, they prayed, and they waited, and they remained faithful even though many others abandoned their faith and they walked away from God. But there was a group of people that got up every day and lived their lives, lives as this could be the day that the Messiah showed up. This morning, I wanna introduce you to two of these people. I wanna introduce you to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth in the book of Luke. Uh, this is why their story is so relevant to all of us here this morning. At some point in our Christian walk, we will have days, we will have moments where we feel like God is silent or God is inactive. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Would you mind raising your hand up? If you've ever had days where you feel like, God, where are you? Nothing is happening. You feel like God is inactive in your life. There are, I'm sure there have been days where you thought, why am I doing this? Why am I still believing? Why am I still attending church? Why am I giving? Why am I serving? Why am I doing this? At some point in our lives, there are moments, there are seasons where we have thought to ourselves this question, why? Am I doing this? Maybe you're at church right now and you're, you, have, you, you have found your place, you found yourself in that place right now where you're asking yourself this question, then that season of doubt, why am I doing this? Why, why, why? Maybe you're in that season right now. Let me tell you, the Christmas story is for you. The story of Zechariah, the story of Elizabeth, that's our story, that's your story. And this is how it begins in Luke chapter one, verses five to seven in your notes or on the screen. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And I don't know how to say that. I'm Sri Lanka, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both, uh, they were both very old. Let me give you a bit of background on Elizabeth and Zechariah, if you're not familiar with them. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were both from the priestly line of Israel. In other words, they, they, like, they had a, an amazing heritage. Uh, you know, their parents were priests, their parents' parents were priests. You know, in today's terms, they'll be pastors, but Zechariah was a priest himself. So he had an amazing uh, spiritual heritage. Uh, um, according to the Bible, they were both righteous in God's eyes. They were blameless. They were honouring God with their lives. They were both people of integrity. If you hired a private investigator to follow them everywhere, there would be nothing to report. There'll be nothing to tell because they were blameless. Uh, they had great character. Their lives were based, they, they, they lived their lives based on the promises of God, 
even though God had been silent, hadn't done anything in the nation of Israel for 700 years, these two still got up day after day and lived their lives as if the promised Messiah was coming that very day. I love these two people. I love their story. They lived their lives as if God was going to actually keep His promise. They were blameless. But here's the interesting thing. They were faithful to God. They were blameless. They were serving God in the temple. They were doing everything right. But the Bible says they had no children. Elizabeth was barren. And it finishes by saying they were old. They were both very well advanced in years. Medically, it was impossible for them to have children. It was too late. It was over. They had prayed and prayed for many years. They have waited for many years. No sign of a baby. It looks like it's too late. Then something very interesting happens in verses 8 to 20 in the story. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week as was the custom of the priest. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never drink wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the Lord, uh, prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Zechariah wanted a sign. He was like, how is this going to happen? This is impossible. I'm too old and my wife is barren. Can you give me a confirmation? The angel's like, oh, you want a confirmation? Boom, I shut your mouth. He couldn't speak. Sometimes the best thing is to keep your mouth shut. When the Lord is speaking, you be quiet. Listen to Boom, shut. Anyway, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Everybody say proper time. How amazing is this? 23 groups of priests, they cast lots, lots to decide who would be chosen. Now this is something that may happen for a priest. It's like a once in a lifetime opportunity to be chosen to go into the holy of holies where God dwells. It's, it's a very sacred occasion, an honour to be chosen. Gets, guess who gets chosen? Zechariah. At the appointed time, he gets chosen. When he's in there, he gets told by an angel, God has heard your prayer. Your wife is going to be pregnant. Your son is going to be famous. He's going to be John the, John the Baptist and he's going to bring many people back to the Lord. Now, why would he have to do that? Because God had not done anything in the nation of Israel for 700 years, many people abandoned their faith. Zechariah asked the angel, how is this possible? I'm old and my wife is barren. And this is the favorite part of my story, the, the response of the angel. The angel said to Zechariah, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. At the appointed time. Does that mean God had this day marked on the calendar? 
there was an appointed time? You mean God had not quit paying attention? The answer is yes. Not only did God answer Zechariah's prayers, but the prayers of His people for generations. Maybe you're at church this morning and you feel like God's forgotten you. You feel like God is silent. You feel like God is inactive. You've been praying for your family. Let me tell you, at the appointed time, He will answer not just your prayer, but the prayers of your generations. What does this mean for you and me? The story reminds us three truths about Christmas. As we approach Christmas, there are three truths I want us to focus on based on the story. Number one, Christmas is a reminder that God is active in our world and He does keep His promises. God is active in our world and He does keep His promises. I love this, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so He does not lie. He is not human, so He does not change His mind. Has He ever spoken and failed to act? Has He ever promised and not carried it through? God always keeps His promises. You may feel like, but I've been waiting. You feel like God is silent. God is inactive. You may feel like you've waited for 700 years and, and you're like waiting, 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 and nothing is, nothing is happening. Let me tell you, just because you cannot see it with your natural eyes doesn't mean God is silent. God is inactive. Let me tell you, He is working behind the scenes. God is actively watching every detail of your life and at the appointed time, He will move and you can count on Him. He will never disappoint you. Let me tell you, just because God is silent doesn't mean He's active. And I love how the whole story finishes for Zechariah and Elizabeth when everyone thought God was inactive, God is silent. The story was over, impossible. Look what happens next, verses 21 and 25. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary when Zechariah, a week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Let me tell you, our God is a God who keeps His promises. He will never, leave, uh, he'll never let you down. He will never disappoint you. He can be counted upon. Build your life on the promises of God, not the promises of man. You know, Shaz and myself, awesome there, my wife here with me this morning. And when we were six months married, uh, she got told, when we, when we visited the doctor, she got told that uh, it'll be very difficult for Sharon to conceive. Let me tell you, no six-month married couple wants to hear those words, and, and they gave Sharon some very strict instructions on what she can eat and what she couldn't eat, what she can drink and what she couldn't drink. And I remember driving back uh, from the doctor's visit, Sharon was devastated. She was like, I might as well eat cardboard because she was put on a very strict diet. Not me, I was able to eat anything I like, thank you, Jesus. But anyway, you know, we were driving home and, and she was devastated. And, you know, and I'll never forget, God gave us a promise. God spoke to us very clearly and said, you will have a son and you are to call him Joshua. Up until that point, my mum and dad only had granddaughters, no grandsons, granddaughter after granddaughter after granddaughter. But God gave us a promise, said to us, you're gonna have a, a son and you are to name him Joshua. One Saturday afternoon, a few months later, I was at home and I was watching TV and I turned the TV off and I prayed this prayer and I said, God, I'm bored, I need a project. 
Out of nowhere, my wife came and said to me, guess what, I'm pregnant. I was, I was like shocked. I mean, like, not, not that, I mean, I knew how she got pregnant. I had a part to play. But anyway, you know, it's not like she's like Mary, you know, mother of Jesus. But anyway, uh, that's a different story. But anyway, I was like, what? I went into shock. I cleaned the entire house. I mean, I spring cleaned the whole house. I opened cupboards that had been opened for centuries because I was in a happy shock. I was just like, what? These days, if I don't do housework, Sharon tells me I'm pregnant. That just gets me moving. And, um, you know, so we went and saw the doctor and the doctor said to her that this was gonna be a very high risk pregnancy and Sharon was uh, in bed for 12 weeks. Uh, you know, only a handful of people knew, my immediate family, they were the only ones who knew and we were praying uh, and, and Sharon disappeared from church. Nobody knew where she was because I couldn't tell her. Everyone was like, ooh, he's here, where is she? Oh, they must be having problems. And uh, you know, people would come to the window after service and they were like, hello, how's Sharon? I'm, she's wonderful. And then they're like, yeah. And then want to know where she is. They're trying to work hard, you know. They're like, isn't she beautiful? I was like, I know, I married her. Anyway, and you know, they're all trying to work hard and can we pray for anything? But anyway, you know, they're all trying to work. We couldn't tell anybody. No one knew. I'll never forget. I often find God uses the most unusual people sometime to get you back to focus on the promises of God. A young lady in our church, she came and she said to me, Boyd, last night I was praying for Sharon. Would you pass this message to her? I was praying for Sharon and God wanted me to tell Sharon, the seed that is planted in her is in good soil. Let me tell you, that word gave us so much joy and told us to keep our eyes fixed on the promises of God. On the 28th of October, 2013, a healthy baby boy was born. The midwife gave me the baby and said, Boyd, he's out, you can't put him back in. Have a nice life, I'm out of here. I'm like, hang on, hang on, come back here. What do I do with the baby? And she goes, nope, see you later. And guess what? They told her it was gonna be hard for her to conceive. Five months ago, we had another baby boy. His name is Jackson. I've got a photo of my two boys. Let me tell you, that is the promises of God. Build your life on the promises of God. Why? Because on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Number two, Christmas is a reminder that our response to the frustration of God's timing is faithfulness. Christmas is a reminder that our response to the frustration of God's timing is faithfulness. Many people abandoned their faith because they couldn't wait. God hadn't done anything in the nation for over 700 years, so they abandoned their faith. Sometimes we do that. We can't be bothered to wait. We're like, God, you're taking your time. We give up. We say, as long as you keep providing, as long as you keep coming up with the goods, as long as you keep answering my prayers, then I'll keep following you. Let me tell you, that is conditional obedience. God doesn't bless prayers like that. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth got up every day and served God like it was going to happen that day. They were faithful. Our response to unanswered prayer is faithfulness. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in that season of doubt. Why am I doing this? Why am I obeying? Why am I giving? Why am I serving? Why am I doing this? Because you feel like God is inactive. God is silent. You're like, I'm praying for my future wife and your future wife hasn't shown up and you're single and you're ready to mingle and you know, you're sick of wedding invites and you're like, oh no, I, it should be me. I should be the one getting married. Can I encourage you? Remain faithful. Choose to remain faithful. Choose to remain faithful in spite of what is happening around you. You know, I have the, Shaz and I, we have the incredible privilege of leading our Manor River campus. Uh, this is, we've been there for 10 years now. I remember eight years ago, uh, we were at our Weymouth Road, um, uh, Weymouth Road site, and, and where we had church, on the other side of the property, there was an old leaky building. 
uh, and as a leadership, we felt it was time to renovate that building and lease it to the early childhood center that was on site. So my job was to go and get six uh, signatures from the neighbors uh, that was around that property. So the first five, they signed the piece of paper, no problem. The sixth one, he was from a different religion. He, he was like, you know what? I'm not gonna sign this piece of paper. I was like, buddy, I'm a nice guy. Look, all I want is a signature and I will leave you alone. He was like, no. So I thought I'd take Sharon with me. You know, she's beautiful. She might, you know, try and, you know, convince him. And I took Sharon and I said, look, we are lovely people. Hello. Just sign this piece of paper here. And he was like, no. I said, no, give me your hand. Here's a pen. Just sign it here. And he was like, no. I was like, man, I was gutted. I was frustrated. I kept going back and he refused to sign it. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months and it was almost a year. I was frustrated. I was like, frustrated. I was like, Jesus, you said you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Look at that building. There's nothing, no building happening. What are you doing? Come on. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who prays like that. I prayed and prayed and nothing was happening. We used to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. We had four people showed up. I love that. The Bible says two or three are gathered. We had four. We just wanted to cover all bases. But anyway, and, 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 and um, when we were about to finish the prayer meeting, a, a lady, she said to me, Boyd, I feel the Lord saying that we should go outside that man's house. And I feel like Joshua and the army, they marched around the walls six times and they lifted up a shout of praise and the walls came down. We are to do that. And the guy will sign the piece of paper. I'm like, and so I'm like, no, 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 no. I was praying for that lady to be raptured. I was like, Jesus, if you want to take her, now is a good time. The last thing I want to do is go and annoy the neighbor shouting. And I was like, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Boyd, listen to her. I said, okay, it was, and it was dark. I said, okay, we're gonna go like Joshua. I'm Joshua and you are the army. Now listen carefully. We are not gonna do the seventh thing that they did where they shouted. We're just gonna do the first six in silence. Repeat it after me, in silence. So, so here we were, me and these people, the four ladies, bless their hearts. They were so faithful. There we were outside the guy's house. We were like... We were, man, we were chasing every demon. And then all of a sudden, Sister Rangi started coughing. I'm like, Rangi, Rangi, you can't cough out loud. They can't hear her. And then she's like, I'm like, God. then we had to stop praying for the guy and we had to pray for Rangi's, you know, cast out every demon. Come out, come out. And she's like, Good, Rangi was sorted. And now we're getting back to praying for the signature. And then you can't finish a prayer meeting without a mighty hand of praise. I said, let's give the Lord a quiet praise. praise. And they were like, Amazing prayer meeting, best one. I was glad when it was over. <laughs> the next morning, I was at church. The, the, the daycare centre manager came and said to me, where were you guys last night? I was looking for you. I said, why? She said, a guy was looking for you and, and, and he brought this piece of paper. And I said, what's this piece of paper? And I looked at the piece of paper. Guess what? That was the sixth signature that we needed to complete the daycare centre. And I said to her, when, when, did, when did this um, piece of paper, when did the guy show up? She said, uh, she gave me the time and I realised it was when we were outside of his house going. <laughs> that, that's when he brought it. Let me tell you, our response to God's timing is faithfulness. Faithfulness seldom, faithfulness seldom gets the attention of people, but let me tell you, God always notices faithfulness. I have found there are times I want God to speed up the process, but there is a waiting period involved. And let me tell you, there's nothing you can do to speed up the process. Why? Because He always does things His way and in His time. 
so he gets the glory for it. What I can encourage you to do is to cooperate with God, embrace the process and prepare for what is to come. Do you realise that when you're waiting on God to birth something new in your life, He takes you through a spiritual gestation period, just like there's a natural gestation period, there's a spiritual gestation period, and it's often accompanied by discomfort, impatience, inconvenience, pain. I'm learning that spiritual gestation periods are set by God. And He decides the timing. Why does He do that? Because during that time, He's working on your character. He's enlarging your capacity. He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's growing you for the season that is ahead. The third truth, final one. Christmas is a reminder that your faithfulness and your hope is never in vain. It is never in vain. If I could ask the keyboard player to come and join me on stage and give us all false hope for a moment as I wrap up. The story of, a, of Christmas is a reminder that your faith in God is not misplaced. It is the reminder that our longing and our waiting and our agonizing is not in vain. God is a God who keeps His promises even when they seem impossible to man. Even when they seem impossible, let me tell you, God is a God who keeps His promises. Some of you might not know this, but my journey as a pastor and everything kind of for me started here at this church 20 years ago. I left school and uh, and I came on staff here. And my job basically at this church was to put out all these chairs on sun- for Sunday services. Basically put them out after Sunday night. On Monday morning, all these chairs were packed for all the midweek activities. And, and I, I'll never forget, somebody came in one time and they said to me, oh, we always see you around here. Well, what, what's your job? What do you do around here? What's your title? And I thought, that's a good question. I don't have a title. Everybody has a title. Luke's the senior pastor. We had a worship pastor. We had a youth pastor, children's pastor. Everybody had a title. I didn't have a title. So I said to them, what's my title? And they're like, oh, I don't know. We don't know. They didn't give me a title. Then I thought, you know what? They don't want to give me a title. I'll give myself a title. So people used to ask, what do you do around here? I used to tell them I was the chairman of the church. And <laughs> people were very impressed. All of a sudden, people that didn't want to talk to me were like, oh, we need to hang around him. He's the chairman of the church. One wise person asked me, what does the chairman do? What are your responsibilities? I bring the chairs out, I set them up, and I pack them out to church. That's what the chairman does. But did you know, on Saturdays, that's what I did for many years. Um, And by about mid-afternoon, the place becomes quiet. It was just me and the bookstore manager. You know, she was at the bookstore. I would be here when no one was here. I'd stand here and I'd pretend to be like Luke Bro. And I preach to the empty chairs. I just repeat something he's preaching. I preach, and man, I'll tell you, these chairs are the most sanctified. They've heard sermons that you've never heard. They are sanctified, delivered, resurrected, crucified. Man, you know, I would preach to that. And I was just being an idiot. I was just, you know, mucking around. I tell you, God noticed it. God notices this moment, me standing and preaching to you and every week, week in, week out, the opportunities that I get to share the gospel with Jesus. Let me tell you, at the appointed time, He will make it happen. At the appointed time. There are people here, you're, you're, you're striving, you're struggling, you're trying to make it happen. Let me tell you, our God specialises in opening doors. He opens doors that no man can close and He will close doors that no man can open. Let me tell you, at the appointed time, 
He will lift you up. Do you realise that everybody here in this room, there is an appointed time for all of you. At the appointed time, you will get that breakthrough. At the appointed time, you will get your miracle. At the appointed time, you will get married. At the appointed time, you'll get that promotion. Why? He's the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. At the appointed time. Would you bow your heads in prayer wherever you are this morning? I don't believe there are people here today. You're in a waiting season. God's, God's pressed the pause button. Or maybe there's a delay. God wants you to know that God delays are not God denials. Maybe there are you people here today, you feel like God is silent, God is inactive. You feel like there's nothing happening. You're like, do I stay or do I go? Do I stop believing or do I keep believing? Do I keep serving? Do I give up? Do I keep my integrity or do I just compromise? Would you be like Zechariah and Elizabeth? Will you choose to remain faithful in spite of what is happening around you? If you're here today and you're like, boy, I'm in a waiting season, full of doubt, full of discouragement, tempted to take shortcuts, tempted to give up, you're distracted. Today God brought you to church. This is an appointed time for you to remind you at the appointed time Maybe you're waiting for your prayers to be answered. If that is you, would you mind quickly raising your hand up? I want to pray for you wherever you are. Yes, 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 yes. People all over this building raising their hands up. Holy Spirit, will you move across this building from the front to the back, left to the right? God, would you do what only you can do? Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. We look to you, Lord. God, I pray and I declare that You are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. God, I say to doubt, bow down to the name of Jesus. I say to discouragement, the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, I pray for anybody tempted to give up. I declare He who has begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it. So today we are making a declaration. I will remain faithful just like Zechariah, just like Elizabeth. We're not gonna abandon our faith. We're gonna remain faithful to the call of God. So Holy Spirit, will you move across this building right now in the name of Jesus. Before I hand it back to Pastor Adrian, I never like to close the service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way to heaven. Jesus didn't come from heaven to earth to give us religion, to give us rules and regulations. No, He came to give you life. And in a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, simple prayer. I want you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Let me tell you, if our greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent us an entertainer. If our greatest need was education, God would have sent us a philosopher. If our greatest need was money, He would have sent us an economist. But your greatest need, my greatest need was forgiveness. God sent us a Saviour. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, for, the, for God so loved you. In a moment, some of you, you're gonna make this decision. It's gonna be your appointed time where you invite, a G, invite Jesus into your life. If this is your first time or you're recommitting your life. I'm gonna invite the whole church to pray this prayer after me nice and loud. Come on, let's pray it out nice and loud. Dear Jesus, come on, let's say it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank You for taking my place. I invite You into my life. I receive Your forgiveness, Your grace. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Today's a new day for me. Amen. Friends, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. 
In a moment, I want you to do something very bold. On the count of three, I want you to publicly raise your hand and say yes to Jesus, whether this is your first time or you're recommitting your life. Let me tell you, this is gonna become an appointed time for many people when you say yes to Jesus. So when people do that, can I encourage the rest of the church? We're gonna clap and we're gonna celebrate. So wherever you are, don't wait for anyone else. One, two, three. If you're saying yes to Jesus, yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, over here. Anyone else? Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Yes, at the back there. Thank you. Firstly, if you put your hand up, I want to say to you, congratulations. And I also want to say to you, happy birthday. Today's your spiritual birthday, the greatest day of your life. Your next step is to, is to get baptised. The Bible says, repent and be baptised. Congratulations. God bless you. It's been awesome to be with you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Pastor Adrian. Fantastic. <laughs>